All right, well, we're sure certainly glad that every one of you are here this morning. If you are new, we hope you feel right at home here and uh, just blessed to be a part of being together with God's people as we worship God and as we now go to the Word of God, which is one of the favorite things that we get to do as we come together as believers in Christ every single week and during our week as well in our own personal walk with the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, we are uh, been teaching straight through the book of Romans. And um, literally, we've been teaching straight through. And uh, we are now in Romans uh, 5, 3 through 5 is where we're going to be this morning. So if you are here today for the first time, just letting you know that um, this just happens to be where we've ended up this week in Paul's amazing letter uh, to the church in Rome. And here we are now nearly 2,000 years later, and uh, we are opening this amazing word from God, and we are seeing how important it is for us today, just like it, were, it was for those in Rome all those years ago. It applies to us today. And um, we're going to continue on here. I'm going to open up in prayer, and then let's, let's begin this morning. Father God, we come to you today once again. We have grateful hearts, Lord, as we have come to know this amazing salvation in which we stand, Lord, in this place of grace. Uh, in merited favor, God, uh, not needing to go through anyone, but Father, only through the Lord Jesus Christ, who has introduced us to you through his death, burial, resurrection, bringing us right on into your very presence. So this morning, God, as we come to your word, we are grateful today to be called the children of God, to become those who have been adopted into this family, that we, are, we have been um, reconciled to you, Lord, that we have been freed of all charges that, God, we have been justified, all things have been covered, Lord, uh, those have been atoned for. That, God, it's a one-time thing, you did it, you finished it, you paid for it, and we today are the recipients of that, and, Father, we're grateful today. As every single week, Lord, we, we just want to be mindful of those that may be here today uh, that have yet to come to a knowledge of the saving uh, faith that is found in Christ alone, God, that you alone provided all these things for our salvation. We pray for them, God, that today they might come to know you. Thank you for the patience you exhibit in all of our lives, for the grace and mercy you show for us each and every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, if you have your Bibles, please turn them to Romans chapter 5. And uh, some of you have got those high-tech Bibles on your laptop or your iPads, probably not laptops, but your iPads cell phones, whatever that might be. And here we are in uh, this amazing uh, section of Scripture as Paul has finished explaining to us what salvation is, what the gospel is, what this glorious good news is. Now he's talking about now what it means now for us that we've come to know this salvation. And um, I'm going to start in verse 1 just to kind of fill our way through here. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because... God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Now, you remember last week and the week prior to that, Paul has just finished explaining to us um, 
what it is that we are boasting in and what he is boasting in and what we as Christians should be boasting in. In fact, in chapter 3, he said we don't boast in anything of our salvation because we haven't done anything to merit that salvation, but it is a work of God and God did and completed all those things. But now he is giving reference to the fact that we need to boast. And uh, the boasting he's talking about now is in the fact that we have this amazing hope in the glory of God. This is confident, joyful boasting in the glory of God. That is not that it may happen, but that it will happen in the future one day. And it's partially happening in our own lives today as God is renewing us day by day through our sanctification process as well. We also stand in an amazing position of grace. Um, we stand in that position. It's not something that we are slipping from, falling from, because grace is grace. It's nothing earned. It's something granted and given by God himself. And we as believers in Christ, through faith in Christ Jesus, stand in a position of grace, in merited favor of God. In fact, he also mentioned that we have full access to God. How amazing is this that we have full access to the God of all creation, the God of this gospel, the God that provided this good news for us through Jesus Christ, that we don't have to go through anyone to get to God. We've already gone through Christ Jesus. There's no reason to ever go to anyone else. You don't have to, to go through a mediator of any other sort. Jesus Christ alone is our mediator who sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us on our behalf. And we have been actually been given full access to God. You don't have to go through a preacher, a priest. Uh, you don't have to go through another man, another woman. You go straight to God because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. And we stand in that position. You're not going to lose your justification because Christ finished it and he accomplished it one time for all. You're not going to have to go back and redo justification to be completely um, acquitted of all things and all sins. He also says, not only do we have full access to God through Christ, but we have been, past tense, finished, over, done, completed. We have been justified by faith alone, by faith alone, not by works. Aren't you glad for that? Oh my goodness, I am so thankful for that this morning. So Paul has been sharing with us now what we are boasting in, that this is joyful confidence um, in who we are in Christ and where we stand in relation to the Father. We stand in his presence, in his access, fully justified. We have received his righteousness, and we're not going to lose that because our righteousness would be nothing but rags anyway. So he imparted to us his righteousness. So we as Christians have so much to be confidently boasting in, joyfully boasting in when it comes to who we are in Christ Jesus and in who and where we stand in relationship to God the Father. And now Paul is going to move on to the next section here. Now I'll be honest with you, um, preaching or teaching expositionally, which this is a big word that means we're going to actually count all the cows in the pasture. We're not going to walk up on a hill and just say, yeah, there may be 40 in that group, right? And move to the next hill. We literally are going to count every cow. And I'll be honest with you, I'd really rather not go to this one right here. I mean, it's easy for us as preachers to pick out selections of Scripture that we love to preach on. But who in the world likes to preach about suffering? How many of you just get all excited when you hear about suffering? You are crazy if you do, but anyway... 
Some of you are crazy. I know that for a fact. There's no doubt in my mind. But the truth is now, Paul is going to use this very same phrase. He's going to talk about now boasting in our suffering. Boasting in our suffering. Now, that's, that's just almost mind-blowing here. That Paul moves to this, that we can be joyful and confident in boasting about, that means to glory, in our sufferings. Now, to be honest with you, at first look, if you're like me, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, pulling into the pasture with a, if cows could read, right? Some of them, I think, can, just saying. And you've got a kill wagon there that says, headed to the packer. You know what I'm saying? And then you rattle your feed bag and say, come here, Suby. Come here, Susie. You're going to be, uh, yeah, if she could read that, she'd be like, you're an idiot. I'm not coming into the pen, Right? Well, it's literally this way. When we read this, sometimes we have a tendency to say, Paul, what planet are you from? I say that about some folks today, just to be honest with you. What planet are you from, Paul? Why in the world would you encourage us to, to boast confidently, joyfully in the sufferings that we endure in life? Why in the world would you do that? That makes literally no sense because I have not met anybody, and if they tell you this, they're lying to you. That just says, goody, goody, here comes another challenge and another suffering moment. I don't meet people like that. They don't do that. Because that's not our initial reaction to tribulations, trials, suffering, pain, all of that. That's not how we react normally. And you know what? Paul the Apostle is not meaning that. I think sometimes we think, well, Paul was Superman, and so obviously he didn't have the same thoughts and problems that we have. It's not true. The Bible makes it clear that these are all men, just like you and me. Women, just like you, not me, but you, right? So these are common people. They're just ordinary people. So Paul says something here that really just jumps out at us, and to be honest with you, I'd like to just kind of trot on by this section and get on to the next one, but we can't do that, right? Because we need to uncover some things here that are very important for the Christian life to help us, to encourage us, and help us understand some things here about suffering. If you were to listen to some of the, um, shall we just say, uh, prosperity preaching out there, they would have you believe that if you're experiencing these things, something's wrong with your faith. I mean, something's wrong with you, ma'am or sir, if you're going through this kind of stuff in your life. Well, by all means, if you would just speak things and tell God that you're not going to accept this, then you wouldn't have these things. Give me a break. That's not even biblical or spiritual. I'm spiritual, but it's not biblical. And you know what? People are drove into them by the gazillions. You know why? Because everybody wants to hear that kind of gospel. But that's not the gospel Jesus preached, and that's not the gospel Paul the Apostle preached, nor is it what these men lived out in their own lives in Scripture, nor is it where we live in Realville. It's not true. It's not true. So if anybody tells you that when you come to Christ, guess what? It is easy street from here on out. They're lying to you. And anytime I meet a Christian that has no persecution, no trial, no tribulation, I've got a question for them. Either they're, they're just totally oblivious individuals, or maybe they're not truly a Christian. Because we've been promised we're going to experience these things. So listen, you say, well, John, what are we to do with persecution, trials, tribulation, and suffering? What do we do with this stuff? Because our first reaction is to get a little angry when it takes place. Is that not true? I mean, that's exactly what happens. Sometimes our first question is, why, God? 
Sometimes our first question is, Lord, where are you? Sometimes our first question is, why in the world is this even happening? What did I do to deserve this? You know, we, we run through the gamut of things, no matter how spiritual you are, think you are. That's really our first response to suffering, persecution, pain, and tribulation. Those are our first responses if you're human and you're honest this morning. That's just where we are. So Paul's going to address this. Why? Because the early Christians were facing extreme persecution. It's a guaranteed deal. Not if, but when. It was going to happen, and it was happening. Not only that, there's, there's all kinds of trials and things in life, things that make us question and scratch our head, and, and we, we try to figure some things out, maybe question God. Anybody here ever question God? It's okay, because we're human, and he knows that. Aren't you glad God knows that I'm nothing but dust, flesh and bone? He knows that. But he's doing something here, and he says, listen, we are to boast now, he moves on. We're not going to just boast in all these great things that we have in Christ. He says, oh, by the way, we can even boast and rejoice in our sufferings, is what he says. Now, Paul is not, he is, he's sharing this out of experience, and this is what Paul is not doing, all right? Now, you've all been here, you know what I'm saying now. Paul is not saying this as if someone you and I have talked to. How many of you know that when you raise children, you have people who have never raised children giving you advice on how to raise your children? Do you know what I'm saying? Now, if I were their parent, I would just really shut up. You'd have never had any kids, right? Or if you're struggling in your marriage, trying to figure out how this whole marriage thing works, and if you are married, you're going to struggle. Sorry, that's the way it is. It's part of it. And so you have people who have never been married. They're going to give you advice on how to deal with your marriage. Why do they do that? You know, not only that, you have someone that's owning their own business and they're trying to struggle through some of the things of owning their own business. The last thing you want to do is hear advice from somebody who's never done anything but work for the man. You know what I'm getting? So Paul here is not doing this. Paul's just not living here on cloud nine up here and saying, oh, oh, by the way, let, let, me, let me tell you what God says about this. I don't experience this. I've never been there, never done that. But, but Paul in, is exactly doing the opposite here. Paul, let me read you just a little bit about what Paul is sharing from his own experience about this faith that he has, about what God is doing in his life and why these sufferings are something that Paul has learned that he doesn't just have a stiff upper lip, if you will, the cowboy way, and we just grind through them. Paul says there's so much more here that God is going to share with you about why this suffering is so important and how we view it and what it's doing in our life. And so Paul in 2 Corinthians, they're writing to the church in Corinth, he says this in 11, 22 through 31. Listen to what Paul is saying. Now, Paul is boasting here. He's, he's somewhat saying, now, this is not a godly type of boasting, Paul says. Because there were those super Christians out there, you know. You meet them every once in a while. They got the big Superman logo with the SC, super Christian. You know what I'm saying? And anyway, Paul was, was, was dealing with some of those, what they called super apostle Christians, whatever guys that thought they were really all that. And this is what Paul says. Oh, by the way, let me give you a little of my genealogy, some of my background, some of my pedigree, if you will. And let me tell you about this boasting and what Paul says he's boasting in. Listen to this. He's coming from experience now. So when Paul says this, that we are to rejoice, we are to boast, we are confidently rejoice in our sufferings, Paul knows what he's talking about here. He knows what he's saying. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? And then he goes, I am out of my mind to be talking like this. 
Why? Because he's bragging a little bit in his own flesh here. Now listen to what he says. He says, I am more. Listen to why he says this. I have worked much harder. And he's not saying that to just say that. That's what the Apostle Paul can emphatically tell you he did. Then these people that they were looking to, that were leading them astray, turning back to Judaism and so on and so forth. Paul says, let me tell you a little bit about them. Oh, by the way, I've worked much harder than they have. He says, I've been in prison more frequently. What kind of guy was Paul the Apostle? Paul didn't go to prison because he didn't pay a, a, a speeding traffic through the middle of Jerusalem on his donkey. Paul went to prison for Jesus Christ and for his namesake and for the gospel. That's why Paul went to prison. That's why he went to prison. He says, oh, by the way, I've not only been in prison more frequently, I have been flogged more severely. Now, flogging was not a good thing. That's not like your rooster does when you go out and get eggs in the morning. This type of flogging would leave way more marks than a rooster could. They would literally beat you with cane poles. Flogging was severe. Oh, Paul says, that wasn't just once that I was flogged. I've been flogged many times. He moves on and says this, and been exposed to death again and again. Boy, this sounds fun. Then he moves on. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Five times. I promise you, his back didn't look too good. He's healed from five times of 40 lashes the one would kill you. Paul says, I've had that happen to me five times, not because he was a, a mouthy individual, because he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he moves on and says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. He was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And oh, by the way, during one of those, I spent a night and a day in open sea. Now listen, I do have a fear of fish that are consider me part of their menu I can't imagine what it'd be like to spend a night and a day out in the open sea floating on a chunk of wood Paul did he said not only that I have been constantly on the move why number one following the Holy Spirit number two because he was always in danger he moves on and says I've been in danger from rivers danger from bandits in danger from my own fellow Jews who wanted to kill him for the sake of Christ they wanted him gone. In danger from the Gentiles. Why? Gentiles didn't like the fact he was preaching about this God, this one God, when he would go to a place where there was a pantheon of gods and he would be preaching about the one true God. He didn't like that. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Do you know there's false believers out there? I'll tell you this. I think some of the greatest pain you'll ever receive in any church is going to be from people who claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's going to be some of the great, some of you are here this morning because of that. You've experienced that. Paul did too. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger. I've known thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold, he says. I've been naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And then Paul, listen to this. Who is weak? I do not feel weak, Paul says. Who is led into sin? I do not inwardly burn. But then listen to this. If I must boast, Paul says, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. Paul is reminding his readers there in Rome 
that we need to rejoice in our sufferings because there's something that's happening to us through these sufferings. And in us, there's something that's happening. We are to glory in them. The word in is very important. Some of us just want to have a stiff upper lip, which is our cowboy way of living. We've taught, been taught that since we were little. Just, just grind through it. I don't care how hard it is, how tough it is, how cold you are, how hot you are. Shut your mouth and get the job done. That's what we do, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. Not only do we glory in spite of them, because it's going to be a real thing. It's going to happen. Not only do we glory in the midst of them, because we're going to go through them, but we glory, he says, that word in means because of them. Because I'll be honest with you, sometimes I struggle with the in part and in spite of part. But Paul says, listen, those are all realities for a Christian. But I want you to know something. You need to glory because of these persecutions and sufferings. And he's not just saying, goody, goody, here comes another trial. That's not what Paul is meaning here. It's not what he's saying. Some Christians would say, listen, when you see it coming, just smile big and say, I'll just take it on the chin. And that's not what he's talking about. It's not what he means. In fact, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, in 10 and 11, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Jesus said the same thing to his disciples in John 16 before he went to the cross. He says, listen, I'm leaving, I'm going away. You'll see me no longer. By the way, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I'm going to send the comforter. But let me tell you something, he says. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And in this world you will have an easy ride. It's not what Jesus told his disciples. He told his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, he says, for I have overcome the world. This is a constant theme in the New Testament. You read about it in the cries of the Psalms who, when they're written and they're singing and they're crying out to God. You read about this in the Old Testament. You read about this um, in the New Te- all through the New Testament. Here's another example of that. The disciples themselves, after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, the early church, they were there preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they were thrown in jail for doing so. They were miraculously set free. The Holy Spirit unlocked everything, and out they went. They went again, following the word of God, to go right back out and begin to preach again right there in the city. Can you imagine? (laughs) Just been thrown in prison for doing this. And God says, don't stop, go right back out and do it again. They did. They were brought before the religious leaders. They were flogged. And then they were told never to preach in Jesus again. And this is what they said in John 16, This is not normal, guys. But this is what they did. Why? Because of this, they have something they understand. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace, excuse me, in 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What, what happened here was exactly this. They were rejoicing in John, they were rejoicing here, the disciples were, because they had actually been considered faithful and, and worthy to receive this type of tribulation in their life. That was their mentality. 
Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. See, we keep our mind and our eyes on the things that are unseen, things that are yet to come, outweighs them all. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, Paul also says, for our light, um, I just read that one, you know that one. Philippians 1, 29 says this, for it has been granted unto you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. It's interesting that those things are in there. Paul is in no way saying our first reaction is joy. But as our faith works this out in our knowledge of Christ, our faith changes our thinking about the trials that we are undergoing in our life. He moves on from here and says this in in verse 3. He says, because we know that suffering produces something. We know that these trials are producing something for the believer. And it's very important, he says. This is, this is not maybe, this is not uh, if, but this is a factual thing. We know emphatically, Paul says, that through our tribulations and through the suffering that we endure, something's happening not only to us but in us and then through our life. And he says we can know this. The first thing that he mentions here is the word perseverance, which just means endurance or steadfastness. It's producing something in us that's steadfast. It's an enduring thing that is building inside of our life. It's, it's actually taking place and it's happening and it's, it's what's happening to each and every one of us as we think about this. You know, James, just thinking about what James said, James chapter 1 um, says um, in James 1, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you become complete and mature, and you lack nothing. So part of all this process is what's happening now to you through these things. And I, I saw this when, in many ways, you'll see it if you have a horse or you're training one or whatever you're doing. Um, you have to test this animal. You have to put it in situations that are, that, are, that are difficult to challenge it, to grow it, to mature it. And our faith is what this thing is about. It, there's something that's happening here that's important. When we left Texarkana and we rode those 40 days, 900 miles to Washington, D.C., let me tell you something. The horses we left with from Texarkana were not the same three horses that I had when I got to Washington, D.C., because I can guarantee you that for literally hundreds of miles every single day, riding down the highways with traffic just wheezing by your head, and literally you can reach out and thump the vehicles, that's how close they were constantly. Man, those horses were constantly going through some sort of trial or test. It never ended. And literally at any moment, two foot to the left, and baby, you're in paradise. And for miles and hours and hours and days and weeks and the grind and it's tires and it's things in the dish and dogs and it's, it's all kinds of stuff going on. And what was happening to those horses, it was doing something to them. It was developing something. Not only were they becoming physically more fit and by the end you could trot for hours and hours and hours and literally hours and they were hard as rocks and they were legged up and they were ready and no longer did the things that bothered them the first few days and weak that didn't happen much anymore only a freak thing could happen to drive one of them to do something that was irrational to a, to a degree why because the testing of them was happening and they were maturing and after a while those things were no longer an issue they were growing and becoming more and more mature as we made the miles that's what's happening to you and I in our faith it's what's taking place that's what's going on 
You use a horse very much, he's going to grow and mature and become something that's far greater of value to you as a tool than when you first purchased him or when you first weaned him. Maybe when you first purchased and bought him. He moves on from there and says, in perseverance, then character. This is something that's very important here. Paul says, he's, it's not only going to develop something in you in your faith, it's the persevering aspect of the life of a believer, but it's going to produce something, a proof test, if you will, of your faith being genuine. Now, this is something that's been very important to me in my life because you, if you're a Christian here today, there have been times in your life that you have really questioned some things, serious questions, and you, you, have, you have sought God, you have sought his word, you have worked through these things, and you have, you have struggled through some things. And there has been probably some times in your life where you felt as if your faith was just barely going to be strong enough to maybe move you through whatever it is you're struggling with. But it constantly amazes me that for some reason, by the grace of God, we move through that. And when we're done on the other side, we look back and I realize that it was God working his grace in my life that my faith is strengthened and I've made it through the other side and it's not faltered. That is so encouraging to me. You know why? Because until your faith is tested, you don't even know whether it's really authentic. There's lots of people that give Jesus a lip wag. Lots of them. But when the testing comes, listen, this is a proof test of your true, authentic faith. It's powerful. And I stand before you today not on any merit that I have accomplished in my life, but I tell people this only by the grace of God am I here today and that my faith still stands. Why? Because the faith is authentic. That's why. Because God is working this out in my life. And you'll get through this and you'll work it out. Why? Because of the knowledge of who God is. You begin to look at this in a different way. I met with a dear lady this week who is fighting cancer. And I went over to visit with her this week to encourage her. She's now about 85 pounds. She had just finished chemo the day before. Her hair's gone. All those things that we admire, these ladies of beauty have fleeting things. And she sits there on the couch, literally just, I, just, and do you know what's amazing? The joy in that woman is unbelievable. I left there encouraged. I went there because I'm thinking I'm going to encourage this lady. No, sir. She encouraged me. And I've often wondered how people, they'll literally tell me, I thank God for this trial. Now that's weird. You know why? Because only in and through that have they learned something of God they never would have known outside of that trial. And let me say this about what God does in people's lives. God works circumstances out in some people's lives, and this is what I've learned about saving faith. It will always drive you to Jesus. It always will. 
It really not matter what comes your way. It doesn't matter if it's a death, if it's a crisis, if it's, if it's a monetary blowout, bankruptcy. It, it's not going to matter what happens, what comes, what may. True saving faith. This is the thing that Peter says is more valuable than gold. This authentic faith, listen to me, is what God is building, what he is steadfasting, what he is persevering in our life. This is so important because it proves our faith is genuine. I got to know that. That's what happens oftentimes to early Christians. You know, at first, God is revealing a lot to you. I mean, it's like, man, God is just, I have just experienced, I mean, it's like it's, God is every day speaking to them, and it's just, wow. And then they go along there for a little bit, and all of a sudden, you'll see them like, something's wrong. What do you mean something's wrong? God's, he's, he's been silent for this whole week. Where is he? He hasn't moved anywhere. But now, it's time to start growing your faith. See, it's easy to believe in those times. But your growing happens through the trial. When do you seek God? I have people come back to a church all the time who have been out for years. And you know what they tell me? Man, I'm, it's wrecked right now. My marriage, is, it's over. She left. She's gone. I can't tell you the number of this. I could even, the number is, it's unreal. Do you know what brought them back here? Well, we haven't been in church in several years. I know we, you know, whatever it might be. I've been away from God. I've been whatever. And you know, it's the trial. Boom. That's what happens. And they show up here. Why? Because they're now seeking God because they don't have answers. What are we going to do now? Don't always look a terrible thing in the face is something that's so tragic see God we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose we know that but then we got to live this thing out so what is this character it is really the truth of the fact that it's proving it's a brand of what has been tested to be true that's what's happening in your life and in my life it's an amazing thing it's an important thing and then from character hope and that's the expectation of what is sure and let me tell you something, Paul says, and he doesn't disappoint y'all. He won't disappoint. It's not going to be disappointing to you. This proving of our faith is so important for us believers. Matthew 13, 20 through 21, he gives us a parable. Jesus does. He gives a parable of the soils here. Now let me show you something that's kind of interesting about this parable. Now we're going to look at the explanation part where Jesus says, let me tell you what the parable of the sower means. And we're moving down through. We're on the second deal here. It says, the seed now, as he's been out sowing seed, it falls on different types of soil. Those of you who do anything with farming, ranching, you know this to be the case. Not always is the ground in perfect condition. And if you're in Israel, there is no perfect condition. That place is rocks everywhere. I wish I had a picture for you. You can't even imagine I'd hate to see the drill and the disc that went through that country. It's unreal. But it's unbelievable to think what happens here. He says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to one who hears the word and then at once he receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And this is why. When trouble or persecution comes because of this word, they quickly fall away. Now, we've all seen that. Well, how in the world did that happen? Listen, this was the testing of faith right here. 
When persecution comes, it will test your faith every single time. When you hit a rough spot, when the doctor says you have C or you have that or you lose a loved one or your kid's killed in a tragic accident or whatever it is, you know the first thing we ask? Why, God? It's the first thing we ask. And that's a normal response, and we're going to respond that way. But as we begin to work this out in our minds, and as we begin to work this thing out about who God is, listen to me, it's always going to drive me to Christ. It always will. It'll drive me to Christ. That's what it'll do. 1 Peter 3, 9, and we are nearly finished. Only six more pages. Listen, listen to this. I hope this is encouraging to all of you this morning. I hope you are so encouraged today by this. Peter says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Who by faith are shielded by God's power. I've always been marveling at the fact that it says, he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. I marvel at that. I marvel at the fact that God is working this out in my life. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, in glory, and in honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. Listen to this. The end result of our faith the salvation of our souls. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. That is the glory of all of this. It's amazing. Paul, at the end of his life, you say, well, what about Paul here? Because some, some of you might say this, well, John, when I'm going through these things, it's kind of lonely. How many of you know it's a little lonely when you're going through a trial? Talked to a guy this week, going through a real tough thing in Oklahoma. He called me. He said, let me tell you something, John. You sure do figure out who your friends are when you go through something like this. I said, yeah, you do. But let me share something with you that I hope will bless you. Because you may be here this morning and you're saying, well, where are all those friends and Christians out there that are supposed to be with me? Listen. Listen to what Paul tells Timothy here Paul is at the end of his life. This is the Apostle Paul, the Romans. He's writing here now to Timothy. He's at the end of his life now. We know not long after this that he was martyred for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. He's imprisoned and he's writing to Timothy. Do your best to come to me quickly. Listen to this. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. See, oftentimes we really get angry at people when they let us down. Listen, <laughs> we're all going to let everybody down, guys. You're going to be let down by people. 
Paul, at the very end of his life, he has these men around him that are very close companions and friends in the ministry and so on and so forth. And at the end of his life, all alone, Demas deserts Paul at the greatest point of his need. Paul understands something of the suffering of life. It says, Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Paul's still concerning about all this. Titus to Ephesus, and it says, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus and Troas in my scrolls, and especially bring the parchments, the word of God. Bring that to me. Oh, by the way, he says, Alexander the metal worker did me some great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. And then he writes this. At my first defense, as he stood to give an account before, he's, before the king's there, no one came to my support. But everyone deserted me. This is the Apostle Paul. It says, may it not be held against them. Do you not see the difference in his life here? Because listen to this. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might fully be proclaimed to all the Gentiles and they may hear it. Listen. Paul says, at the end of it all, at the end of my ministry, at the end of everything that I've done here, guess what? I stood alone. But I wasn't alone. Because the Lord Jesus Christ stood with me. See, you need to never, ever, ever forget this. Because there are going to be times in your life where you feel like you truly are standing all alone. It will happen. But you need to know the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And you do not stand alone. He's there with you. Why is that so important? Because there's one in the word of God who knows what it means to have been stood by themselves alone. And on a cross nearly 2,000 years ago, on a hill called Golgotha, there was a man, the very eternal Son of God, who was on the cross bearing the sins of the world. And God was crushing him for your sin and for my sin. And in a loud voice, Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You may feel like God has forsaken you at times, but you must know he never has and he never will forsake you. Why? Because the son was forsaken on your behalf. He was forsaken. You never will be. What a blessing to know that that is the truth of the word of God. Jesus bore all that for us. Paul says, listen, not only do we glory and boast about the things that God has provided for us in this amazing salvation, but we boast also in our sufferings because we know that it is doing something. It is bringing perseverance, steadfastness, and it is also bringing hope. It's building hope in us, and it is proofing now that my faith is genuine, and that is a blessing for every single believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. I hope you were encouraged this morning. God will never leave us nor forsake us. Even when you feel like you stand alone, he's standing with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that we can not only confidently, joyfully boast 
in this amazing good news of the gospel, this salvation, our justification by faith alone. But God, we can as Christians, because of what you have done, because of who you are, and because of what you are doing through them, can boast because of our trials, tribulations, and those things we suffer in this life. Because it is building proof of our authentic faith, Lord, in you. I thank you, God, that you're working these things out. Why? Because you've poured your love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. For everyone that's here today, Lord, I pray that they're encouraged, Lord, to realize, God, that you are working through them and in them, Father, this faith, Lord, that is far more precious than gold. Lord, it is the faith that brings, Lord, this joyous salvation. So, Lord, we come to you today knowing, Father, that this is an aspect of life. For those that are here today in the throes of a terrible storm in their life, I ask, Lord, that you would give them a fresh perspective of the fact of who you are, what you are, what you're doing in their life, and how valuable and how much they're loved by you in spite of the circumstances. In fact, you are working in them, Lord, the building and the strengthening and the proof of their faith. And I thank you that you're doing these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have an awesome week. Tell somebody about this Jesus.